evening, godless sodomites. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Excommunication Station. I'm your host, Chaz, and today is another episode of our Voices series, and our special guest is Jenny. And we had a great conversation about parenting, um, growing up in the church, and I really appreciate her openness and willingness to talk about all that. And I really appreciated her openness and love about the LGBTQ community. But before we get into that conversation, we need to do the most important thing, and that is to pray. So everybody bow your heads, and if you're driving, let Jesus take the wheel. Father, we pray over the electrical systems. We pray over the electricity will not go out in this building in Jesus' name because of storms or any other reason. Now, I just pray over this equipment. We speak over the PowerPoint presentations, the, all of the video projectors, and we we'll say, devil, we know what you love to do in meetings like this, and we say, you will not, in Jesus' name, you will not prevent this message from going out. No microphone problems, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we speak that. Today I'm joined with Jenny. Jenny, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, where are you calling from? What area of the um, country? You don't have to be specific, I'm, like street or anything. <laughs> I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. Okay. And where whereabouts did you grow up? I spent half my childhood back and forth between Orange County, California, and New Jersey, Central oh, New where, Jersey. Where in New Jersey? Manalapin. Right next to English Town and Freehold. Okay, okay. You had told me that you had grown up in the Calvary Chapel uh, denomination. Um, is that in both locations in in California and New Jersey? No, actually. Uh, yeah. Um, my my biological father became born again in the early eighties, and him and my mo- mother had divorced. My mom's agnostic, so. Okay. It was half my time with my dad, uh, who turned me into a little Jesus freak, and then my mom, <laughs> who kinda w- didn't believe in any of it. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, so, so what was that like uh, living in those two different worlds? I never really far- felt ever part, fully part of one. Maybe that's why... Um, when I got a little older and in my teens, I felt really pulled into the youth group because they were very accepting. Yeah. And I, all my whole life has always kind of been split between two families and two coasts. And I never felt really totally accepted in either. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. Um, so what, what ages, uh, what ages it start the, the going back and forth? Uh, my mom moved me to New Jersey when I was five. 
Oh, okay. uh, my parents divorced when I was a baby. So, I mean, it started in California going back and forth oh, pretty wow. young, but, yeah. but across the country at age five. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what were some of the, the early, uh, entertainment wise stuff that you got in that was, that was Christian? Oh, Salty, the singing songbook. I know Salty very well. They sing. They just don't praise. Praise is from your heart. Just singing is from your mouth. You see, you can sing Christian songs until you're blue in the face. But if it's not from your heart, it's not praise. And that makes me sad. I I still think I have a couple vinyls from my youth. I had a Big Bird, <laughs> a Big Bird record player. I listened to that. And Music Machine. Yeah. Uh, a Melody, the Singing Song Mouse. Um, the Ansylvania, like yeah, I, I, I have very fond memories. Even if I'm not in the same beliefs and mindset, I have very fond memories of those. What about uh, Patch the Pirate? I don't remember that. I oh, remember, okay. yeah, I remember Gerbert. I remember uh, Gerbert puppet show. And I do uh, remember Gerbert. I don't I remember the name, I just don't remember what what that puppet looked like. He had like red hair and um I guess he looked like any 80s Muppet wannabe puppet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably <laughs> I feel horrifying. Like he worked with Sandy Patty. I remember Sandy Patty and, uh, Yeah, okay, yep. I do remember that my because my uh, my stepfather and mother were big Sandy Patty fans for a while. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember I saw Salty once in uh, I guess concert if that's what you want to call it. But, <laughs> yeah, it was, I uh, believe that somebody dressed up as Salty came to Calvary Chapel when I was still in California, and uh, and um, yeah, I probably lost my mind over that when I was. <laughs> <laughs> it was salty mania everybody was you know oh, yeah. screaming yeah yeah i and i do that guy patch the pirate came to my church as well um yeah that was that was that was weird i remember i had his tapes and everything and listened to them in our car i was gonna ask, i remember the camping album was my very favorite that was the one i played yeah. the most yeah and- i do remember that one I remember being moved to tears at a pretty young age. And I still remember some of the songs, which is crazy. Oh, Bullfrogs and Butterflies was another album that was, that was huge. But uh, yeah, I, I remember how music um, pretty, pretty late into my church life, how, how praise and worship and all that, that, that was, that was my crutch. That was what yeah. got me going. I, I was trying to find some salty music for uh the podcast to play in the background on certain things um i I found a mcgee and me drop that i that i'm using um but one of my other co-hosts donovan he is was really raised on carmen and kind of sent me in this this god-awful hellhole for like about two weeks where all i did was (laughs) listen to carmen and was just just I watched so many of the videos and it, it's all so ridiculous.
but uh, yeah uh, so now i have a feeling that i'm going i couldn't find any free salty stuff i could download so i just i abandon it but now i feel like this whole next week i'm just going to be listening to salty <laughs> i might be too and i remember my favorite carmen song what i forget what it was called when when he battles the devil when jesus battles the devil but there I were guess that quite a few of those <laughs> there were there were satan bite the dust this and, was the big epic one. Oh, what the what was the name of that song i think there Where, was a music video for it you hear you hear that you hear the you hear the little uh why can't i find the word the little not the devils but the demons. like demons you hear the de- demons like sounding scared at the end and then he yeah. comes back alive <laughs> oh my god now i'm <laughs> i just um, remembered my dad took me to a uh rally pretty early on that was led by keith green and his wife and okay. My dad was heavy into Keith Green yeah, and Rich yeah. Collins. And um, we went to, I th- I'm pretty sure it was anti-abortion rally. <laughs> I went to a few of those, yeah. So Keith Green and then going to the rallies. What did you take away from the rallies as being an adult now and seeing that put on a kid? I only recall getting a little shirt that said... Uh, we are precious in his sight. And it had little kids of all different colors, um, you know, to go along with the song yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. on the shirt. And I, I mean, I was so young. I'm having, having uh, been through the other side of the uh, abortion topic um, and seeing what it does to people and how it intimidates women and mm-hmm. shames them. Um, pretty gross about having been a part of one, even if I had no yeah. choice. That's something that I've been, I I need to talk about in therapy because it's something that has, has bothered me for a very long time. Um, being forced to uh, protest abortion uh, clinic. I don't know what the right term is to call them now, but like abortion clinics, Planned Parenthoods, whatever, they 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 would be now um and then uh i remember having to write pro-life speeches at my christian school and like i i feel so much guilt about this because i'm like what kind of impact did i have on somebody um that uh that my words and my actions like hurt them back then and i'm like it's 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 hard to deal with now as an adult that i'm finally realizing all that stuff that i did that i was forced to do so I think that might be part of the reason. I mean, the biggest reason I'm such a huge ally with the LBGTQ community is just because I believe in it and Mm -hmm. a ton of my friends and family are part of it. Um, But I remember, I know that I must have uttered the the phrase uh, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve when in my youth, because it was, you know, hammered into me and yeah, it makes me sick because that's so far from what I believe now, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember the first time I ever heard anything about, uh, homosexuality was my stepfather saying at something at the TV was that like, I hate faggots. And I'm like, what does that mean? And he was like, 
And then my brother-in-law stepped in and said, it's somebody that likes like a man that loves a man. And like my stepdad stomped off because it was on the TV. So that was like my first introduction to anything that had to do with the LGBTQ community. So that's the framework that I was working with. And it took a long time for that not indoctrination because it didn't feel right and it still didn't feel right. Um, But that like that mindset that what my father, stepfather was saying was hurtful and problematic and wrong that those things hurt people, which you don't realize, you know, when you're that. Well, it's confusing and it's contradicting because The first thing that they teach you and continue to drill into you is to love and accept your neighbor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, here's a salty song. Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7 Mm -hmm. and 8. For -hmm. love is of God and everyone that knoweth and loveth God is born of God. And I mean, that was drilled into us. But then it's like, oh, but except for these people and these people and these people. Yeah. Yeah. There's always a, there's always a caveat to, to, to everything. Yeah. It's um part of the podcast is trying to cut through all the contradictions and, and, and try to reconcile like our, our past and where we're going and where we are now. Um, and I've seen that evolution of myself and acceptance and uh, uh, of the LGBTQ community and how my life had changed from when I was even a teenager up to uh, that point over a decade ago is, is um, I'm proud of that. So uh, coming out of what all of us have come out of, and I think it's something to be proud of, um, uh, of ourselves. Um, I'm proud of you for that too. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of you as well. So, uh, I think I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful because I did, I still have friendships from, you know, youth group and yeah, I'm yeah. grateful for the experiences I had because there were moments in my life when I really needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. there are obviously a lot of negative aspects and shame involved that took me a long time and I'm probably still dealing with, um, to get past, but I feel uh, the more the more we're involved in in life and the more the the various different groups of people and beliefs that we involve ourselves in, the more open and empathetic it makes us to a larger group of people because then we understand what it's like to be, you know, in not so eloquent right now i'm so <laughs> but I, mean, I just feel i have a greater understanding of both the secular and non-secular world and it makes me more open and it's easier to talk to people in both worlds yeah yeah i i hear that yeah you left the church after high school from what you told me right yeah actually probably junior somewhere between okay. junior and senior year yeah and what what spurred that on um, honestly, at that point, it was less about discovering who I was and the truth and more about 
interest shifting and getting new friends and being part of um, the punk rock <laughs> community <laughs> and, and uh, wanting to party and boys, quite honest, yeah? it wasn't, okay. you know, the best intentions or the best <laughs> shift, but yeah. um, I just, I, I started I started hanging out with people who had uh, different beliefs and mm. I was more interested in that scene and um, it conflicted a lot with, with the church scene. So yeah. yeah, I started getting into punk when I was about 14 or 15. Um, and it took a long time for me to try to work through that ethos and, and work with my faith and working around guilt and everything, uh, you know, because I did a lot of it in, in private uh, because, you know, a lot of it wasn't allowed in, in my house yeah. or, you know, even in the church, especially in the church. Um, so you kind of, I kind of kept quiet about it, but yeah, it was, um, it was awesome. Like finding that community and, um, I don't know what had happened with my life if I wouldn't have found the punk and the hardcore community. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm still part of, I'm going to punk rock trivia tomorrow night. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I, um, you know, I guess I'm kind of remembering things as we discuss it, you know, and I definitely remember feeling torn like I did between two families. Like mm -hmm. I, I did value my friends and I valued the, some of the lessons I learned in the church. And it wasn't that I necessarily didn't want to be a part of it at that point in my life. It was just that I, I felt shame and a little embarrassed around my secular friends. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I started school with Jesus loves you on my backpack and praying around the pole in the morning. Yeah. And <laughs> there was a lot of persecution around that, you know, there was. A lot. Yeah. but, but then I felt judged by my Christian friends when I was going to parties and hanging out with a different crowd. Mm -hmm. And, um, I guess I had to make a choice for myself, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. But I definitely start. Well, I mean, I, I didn't pay as much attention to punk earlier on as I wish I would have. Um, my uncle was in um, various bands growing up. He was in Bad Brains for a while. Oh, um, wow. And so he introduced me to a lot of that. My mom introduced me to it young. Yeah. But I first started paying attention with bands like the Orange County Supertones and Insiders <laughs> and stuff like that. Value pack. Yeah. Oh man, I I fucking love Jalapeno by Value Pack. That is oh, yeah. one of my still favorite. And I wouldn't even. I guess you could classify it as Christian, but like that's still one of my favorite pop punk albums. I, I could listen to that just about any day. 
Yeah, I, I put in Life in General by MSPX recently, yeah. and I remembered every lyric. Oh yeah, I, I remember all this. Yeah, I still have, I I still have uh, all those CDs and everything, and I I think we're gonna end up making uh, like Spotify uh, playlists of like our favorite like Christian artists like during our I guess teenage years or whatever. So uh, I remember I interviewed this the uh, Five Iron Frenzy once and oh, yeah. they they were like they were kind of shit talking on the supertones and they were like <laughs> uh ska is not a verb and because <laughs> because I guess one of the I forget one one of the supertone songs was like saying was using the word ska like it's you know in action and uh they were they were they were making so much fun of them it was so funny but that yeah the coolest thing I thought of that time was that I could do both at the same time with right. the Christian punk rock community, because you could go to see the local punk show and go see, you know, whatever, you know, if green day or whatever band was big band was coming through town, bad religion of the warp tour, you could go see them with, with your Christian friends that were punk. Quote unquote, oh yeah. Punk. And well, there were so many bands that were technically Christian ska punk bands, but they straddled the line and they were appealing to non-Christian kids mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. Five Iron Frenzy or yeah. me. Um, well, then there's the Christian metal bands like Zeo and Overcome mm -hmm. band Overcome. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and yeah. I think that helps with the uh, transition too, because there was a lot of overlapping yeah yeah it, i just remember seeing show flyers from uh in like albums and stuff like that where you would see like six feet deep or zeo or um yeah overcome playing with like bands like strife and uh all these other cooler hardcore bands that i was really into and they were playing together and you're just like whoa like this is so cool they can hang out together and yeah yeah, and, and believe it or not, the the punk community was more accepting than the other way around. <clears throat> so, oh, they yeah. were more willing to have a dialogue and um, not judge you, whereas Christian friends would have dialogue, but they would try to convert you with theirs or shame you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What was um just a random question what was your your favorite christian punk hardcore show that you went to if you can remember mm. dang hardcore i was thinking i saw i there's a there's a venue here called celebrity theater where i saw the insiders play with squad 50 and the supertones and that was I, pretty rad <laughs> I, that, I remember that tour it was that was like 90 eight I, yeah 98 97 because i saw it in hershey pennsylvania uh i went to that tour i remember that one uh yeah i, I yeah i remember <laughs> yeah that was quite a show um that was interesting uh I what about so, all, Zeo, all my so i went to high school with overcome and okay. uh they they always played with Zeo whenever they came into town
those were definitely like the, the hardest Christian shows I went to because I definitely got kicked in the crotch at one of them by <laughs> someone like, trying to jump onto the <laughs> Those were the most physical shows. Yeah, I, I, Zayo is majorly from Pennsylvania, so I saw them quite a lot back in like the late uh late 90s early 2000s and there there is an, an embar- embarrassing picture of me somewhere wearing eyeliner seeing zayo uh during <laughs> uh the liberate and ferris tour or whatever it was called did you ever go to like uh cornerstone or anything like that no, so when I moved out here, my dad had moved out to Arizona, um, and I decided to live with him when I came to visit him for the summer. Um, and I and he took me to his church called Word of Grace. It was a non-denominational church. Mm-hmm. It's pretty small when it started out. Now it's it seems to have become one of those mega churches. They bought more and more land and oh, yeah. grew, but um, um, and that. I don't know. The youth group accepted me and I made friends really quickly. And some of them are still pretty close friends. Most of us are not part of the church anymore. Um, but that's what kept me here in Arizona. And, uh, I, I, I never, I don't, I don't really between Calvary chapel and word of grace. I didn't really veer too much from either of those churches. Um, okay. haven't been to church in a long, long time since then, <laughs> Um, do you remember and, the last uh, time you went that wasn't well, like a wedding or funeral or anything like that? Yeah. Um, so I did move to El Paso. I followed my, um, daughter's father there, um, in 20, 2008. Okay. And, um, I got pregnant pretty quickly, had, had my daughter there and, um, I don't remember how I found it or if I made a friend and they invited me, but I started going to a little church there. I didn't have any friends or family in El Paso and I was a new mom and I just felt this need to be a part of it again. Then, um, I was so unhappy and, um, that was was the last time. Was it more of a urge for community or an urge for faith? I think it was probably more an urge for community and also feeling pretty lost and feeling like I've got this new life I need to take care of. And I need, I need some, some grounding. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think for a long time, that's what it was almost like a crutch. And that's what I fell back on because that's what I knew to fall back on. Yeah when, when, when I felt lost or when I needed help, it, uh, cause that's what they teach you, you know, yeah. lean on him and everything will be better if you do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that's part of the reason why I didn't get therapy for the longest time, <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah, I, I completely get it and understand it. And though that church and the people involved in it, they really welcomed my daughter and I when I was having a really hard time, um, Mm -hmm. not getting along with her dad, feeling really alone. And they took us in. And that's one thing that 
actual good Christians are good at is, yeah. is surrounding you and supporting you. And, um, again, I'm, I, I don't believe in a lot of the same things that they believe in. And I've definitely grown since then as a person. And just, I think as an empathetic human, but I'm grateful for that time and yeah. I'm grateful for those people. And I think that's, what's so appealing to a lot of people is that community because especially when so many people feel lonely. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just really, I don't know. I've seen it. I, I've seen it both ways where that is a, a force for good, but I've also seen it another way where it, it's a force to uh, latch on to somebody and try to control them or, uh, or twist, twist them to what you want them to be. Um, oh, yeah. 100 percent. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, there's always that. And it's uh, generally subtle at first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it, it's, it's <laughs> like they're really good salesmen. They're really good at playing the part. And um, let, let's let's bring you in. And then, you know, subtly we'll start slipping this this judgment and, and these verses mm-hmm. and these things into you. And then once you're fully in, in it, uh they they latch on for sure yeah yeah and and part of part of something that's been on my heart with the podcast is i don't want those christians that are out there that actually do what i think both of us and most of the people that are going to listen to this think christians should be and how they should act and i don't want to lump them in with everybody else that you know hurt us or or uh, use their, uh, beliefs to control us or anything like that. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to make the distinction with that. And yeah, I'm grateful that people are out there like that and can use their faith for good. And yeah, yeah. That's the definition of an actual Christian. I mean, I, I feel it's more prevalent with, uh, especially Anglo-Saxon uh, Christian groups mm-hmm. and um, mega churches and far right, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, I have really great Christian friends and family in my life and they are nothing like that. And they yeah. definitely, I have, I have a one Christian friend in particular who I did go to youth group with and I went on a mission trip with. And yeah. I wanted to talk about she, that next. <laughs> she she's all Black Lives Matter, and yeah. um, she is disgusted um, with Trump. And mm-hmm. you know, I I definitely don't want to lump anyone into one category because I think, I mean, just with it's the same with the punk rock community. There's good and bad. Oh, you know, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> There was this super crazy, like, if you're not a vegan, then you're going to hell type of crowd, too. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. there, Yeah, there's... It just sucks when the majority is the, is the part that is, yeah. is the problem. Um, because every, every community is going to have shitbags and terrible people. Um, yeah, it just it's just terrible when the majority of it is it are the shitbags and the terrible people or the people that follow along with it. So, um, but yeah, enough grandstanding. 
I want to know about Acquire the Fire. Oh. <laughs> I, it rings a bell because I think it, it came to my church, but I don't re- remember what it was about. So either either unpack some trauma for me or at least uh, <laughs> fill me in. Um, I believe it was associated with Teen Mania and Ron Luce, who I believe was the leader of, of that. Um, and they were just, it was a, I think different, I feel like I saw um, the newsboys at one of the choir fires oh I went God. to. Yeah, yep. I love I love the news. Oh shit! But it was like a big hype up rally event that would get kids to join Teen Mania and go on those mission trips. I re- this is all coming. I this is coming back. I saw the news boy. I remember all this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, okay. Keep God, going. I love the news boy. <laughs> I remember. I remember. They were like the Christian Pearl Jam. They. Oh. He even had like the same resonance as Eddie Vedder a little you bit. You made me want to. Th- you made me throw up in my mouth a little bit. Uh, yeah. It, um, who I saw them. I was a really big uh, Steve Taylor fan, and he produced their one of their albums, like their big one, their first big one. But I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Uh, I have it somewhere. I still have it somewhere. And I remember seeing them on that tour. And I think I saw them once with the Supertones. Um, Yeah, I think. And then they played uh, a festival out here uh, in the late 90s called Purple Door, I I believe. Yeah, I do. It's all coming back to me now. And wasn't there like a book? Huh. Oh, I, associated with Teen Mania and Acquire the Fire? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely the literature. I I just, we had it, I believe ours was at the fairgrounds here in the Coliseum. Okay. And, I mean, they did the general testimonies and a concert and, you know, um, prayers and then just hyping up kids with music. And, mm-hmm. um, and then, of course, there's always a calling people who want to turn their life over to Jesus. And um, it was just an event that like really, really tried to make Christianity seem cool, but also they really knew how to get to our hearts. I feel like again, through music, but Mm -hmm. just, it was very emotional. I remember being, I remember crying a lot. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, I always broke down during praise and worship. Always, always. It felt like that. I mean, but that was another thing they teach you is that you're closer to God through the music. And it's like a way of speaking to him and being so driven by music. I feel like that's other than my daughter, the greatest thing in my life. (laughs) Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. That was, that was my way in. That was how they got me. And, um, well, I remember raising money and trying to get donations to go to Guatemala with them. And I did, and it was life-changing and it was amazing, but I feel really torn with that too, because our mission trip was to go perform these dramas 
for hours, just go all over Guatemala and perform these dramas. And um, I remember that now. Yeah, we would oh, have to go yep. grab locals and bring them to the park or wherever it was we were decided we were going to perform for that mm-hmm. hour. And then um, it was like Jesus was the captain of the ship and the devil was the pirate. And <laughs> uh, it was all a metaphor. And then at the end, we would do casting the net and try have a translator and try to get people to come to Jesus. And, and we could have used our time so much better to actually help people. <laughs> that, that is something I remember because I remember them coming like it was a thing and they were talking about in our church about missions trips <clears throat> and i always envision mission trips going and and building things and and helping the communities out and then i heard that it was you go and you perform i'm like i'm not going to do that you know <laughs> and i was just like i'm i'm out on this but yeah i do remember them trying to get us to go um I don't remember the country off the top of my head, but it was at my church. And I know that they sent a group down there, but I was not a part of it. Church was pretty I empty remember for my a mom was terrified because at this time I'm raising money and I'm so eager and I'm just so on fire for God. And I was just like, it was the same year that a bunch of missionaries were kidnapped and killed and raped in Guatemala. And my mom's like, you're raising money. My teenage daughter's raising money to go down there. Like, yeah. Um, but when you're young and you're just so on fire and you just believe with all your heart, these things, cause you need something to believe in and you're, you're, your brain's not fully formed and <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, um, you feel everybody else's energy around you and, and there's just nothing that's stopping you. And the more persecution you feel, the more you feel like you're doing something right, because that's, that's what they tell you you're going to get into. And, um, you almost feel like an activist. Like I feel like that when I go to rallies now, like LBGTQ yeah. rallies, like, yeah. you know, I'm a huge Bernie supporter. I've done, gone to every Bernie thing. <laughs> like I, yep. I feel that same feeling I felt then, you know, um, for, I think different, better reasons, but yeah, um, I was gonna, when you go into like music and, and, and trying to, to latch kids onto these things how much is it a a use of emotional manipulation compared to using actual faith so like when you say that you you felt overwhelmed during uh worship service which i totally get because i've seen it um but i've also been on the end where i'm like i'm not doing this right i'm not going to be accepted like if i'm not speaking in tongues but everybody else is like what like what does that say about me and and then also getting wrapped up into everybody around me's jumping and like it just the energy's vibing and it's time to go you know so uh what what do you think about this as as like a mental manipulation compared to now where it's like actual you know you're fighting for somebody's actual justice i think a majority of the people i was surrounded by believed it and they really did have faith and they really did believe that i don't think they were consciously manipulating but i do think it is manipulation now that i've grown and i've come from that and um 
because I know in my heart that I really, there were points where I really felt like I was feeling the spirit and I was part of it. Mm -hmm. But the entire time I definitely struggled like, yeah, why is this person speaking in tongues? And I, it just doesn't come to me or why, you know, why are these people coming back from mission trips saying that they healed people and saw people walk and have never experienced anything like that. Like now, now that I've been away from it for so long and I've been surrounded by so many other cultures and beliefs, I'm just like, I mean, I, it's hard to wrap my head around. And, um, I do think that I was vulnerable and easy, um, an easy target to get caught up in it. And, mm-hmm. and maybe there, I know there are a hundred percent people who, um, are intentionally manipulative, but, um, I don't know that I was surrounded by those types of people, but, but, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't, it's like when you tell yourself every day, you know, you're supposed to practice these things, tell you, look in the mirror and tell yourself you're beautiful or say you're going to have a good day. After a while, you start to have a good day or believe that you're beautiful because it's repetition because yeah. you drill it in your head. And I feel it. that's how it was with the church. You just, it starts to become life and you really do believe these things. And you really think that you feel certain things because it's just drilled into you. Mm-hmm. I I don't know how much of it is actually pure, and yeah, that's who that's that's a tough one to like. It's something that has been on my on my mind for for decades now. Of like, how how much did I fake? How much was I was I was it real? Was it true? Like, because I don't know. Like. <laughs> You know, and like, I'm not in that moment anymore and looking back on it, it's, uh, it used to be embarrassing. And now it's like, I really want to get into this and figure out what is going on and why I felt this way and, and, and why other people went through the same thing and, and why they're feeling the same way that I am. (laughs) So I'm really glad you brought that up because I don't think I've sat with that, at least not in a long time. And Going back to Guatemala, if you don't mind. Um, no, go ahead. No, no, go. I remember specifically being at this park. And after we like kind of went off into groups to try to pull people in to watch our drama, I remember we didn't get that many people, but this elderly woman came and I was so zoned in on her. And I, you know, back then I remember thinking, God is calling me to her. God is calling me to her. I need to focus in on her. And then after you're done and they do the translation and they ask who wants to give their life to God, I remember she came forward and I broke down and I prayed with her and I felt like, oh, I'm doing God's work. I'm, I'm, yeah. I just, I, I remember carrying that with me for so many years thinking this was my moment. This is my testimony that I can come and bring back. Like mm-hmm. I really, was moved by it. And now I'm just like, Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. No, I just like how much of that was just like, I'm looking for something. I want to not come back empty handed when all these people are having all these success stories and like life changing moments. And, and how much of it was us looking for something 
that was so radical and so powerful and and I don't know. <laughs> I no, do also I, want to say my first two mission trips uh were actually mission trips where well, I was 14 when my uncle who was a youth pastor invited me to go to Mexico with him to a children's orphanage and it wasn't it wasn't performing dramas or anything we brought them food and clothes and yeah. life shampoo and we bathed these kids and cleaned their what little they had and spent time with them and then um and then in high school before the Guatemala trip we went back to Mexico and helped clean trash off the streets and build a church so we did do good as yeah. well and yeah. it did affect me as a young girl you know, who grew up poor, but not like that being yeah, in a country yeah. where you see children who have so much less and are still so giving and grateful and happy. That was life changing. And I'm glad I have that because it really, it really made me grateful for where I came from and what I had. So yeah. there was a lot of good in that as well. And I didn't mean to veer off topic, but <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah. I, that's something that I that I had always wanted to do uh, when, you know, going back to when I had heard about missions trips, but I never really had the opportunity to do something on that scale. Uh, a lot of it was just performance level type of right. stuff because that's what kids are good, good at, I guess. I don't know. Um, but and maybe regulations with OSHA or whatever, but um, standing on the corner with tracks and a megaphone and handing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it just, it, it hurts my heart thinking of, of wanting to do that stuff. But instead I was taken to uh, uh, an abortion clinic and, and we yelled at people, you know, yeah. and yeah. that hurts me even to this day, you know, thinking about it. And, you know, it, I got involved with uh, Amnesty International and um, some other human human right organizations, um, uh, Doctors Without Borders and um, Voices in the Wilderness. Uh, there was a punk Christian punk band uh, called Crash Dog uh, that I was really into, and they were really progressively left. And then they formed this other band called Bally Dows that I was in, they were like a Celtic kind of. I think I, band. yeah, I think I know them. Yeah. And like, I really got into their activism. So I was trying to mesh that with my faith, but at the same time it was, it was difficult. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I'm just trying to, I'm thinking of, of times in my life where there were moments now that I'm questioning if they were real or not, you know, that, that yeah. whole spiritual aspect of it. And, uh, I remember a time where I had a, a, a breakdown in front of my entire youth group and it got very emotional and very charged. And instead of realizing that I was having an emotional breakdown at the time, everybody decided that it was Satan or it was whatever they interpreted yeah. as. And they decided to lay hands on me. So that whole time I'm, I'm thinking in my head that like, this is, this is something spiritual that's going on and this isn't something mental. 
And like, you look at it back now and it's like, no, fuck, I needed help that time. Oh my God. Instead of getting it, it was like, Hey, let's, let's, let's pray over him. And then you think multiply that times people that have actual physical ailments that don't get uh, the help that they, you know, visually need, you know, you can see it and, you know, and it's, 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 it's tough trying to, trying to come back and, and go back in time and relive, <laughs> relive that stuff. And I didn't mean for you to go back there <laughs> if you did. No, I think, I think it's, I think it's healthy. We're here for a short time. Yeah. I think it's really good. And, and I really do struggle with memory loss. So <sighs> it, it, I can handle it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that it's important. It's important to know where we came from and it's important to yeah. try to figure out why we felt or thought things that we did or yeah. do. And, Absolutely. um, I really hadn't thought about it in that way. And uh, right. I mean, I've witnessed it in my friends and myself and God, I definitely needed therapy early on in life oh <laughs> and I God. didn't have it until I didn't have it until I put myself in it, you know? And yeah, yeah how I was raised and how my daughter is. My daughter is a huge ally. She has friends who are pan, bi, lesbian, Mm -hmm. trans, and she's constantly calling me out on making sure I use the correct pronouns. And she (laughs) literally just turned 12. Yep. Um, She wants to be an activist and an actor when she grows up. And she's already figured out her courses at, you know, theater ASL and speech and debate and a plan for life. And I'm thinking about when I was that age, I had no direction, you know, yeah. what my parents said was the truth. And, um, I feared them. I don't think my daughter fears me in any way. (laughs) (laughs) She, we have respect for each other and we have open dialogue and that's not something that I don't, I'm sure you and I probably neither of us were raised that way. And Absolutely it's just not. crazy. And I, I'm not trying to take credit for it all. Obviously I'm the major factor in it, but I think society as a whole, it's crazy how different it is now since when we were kids in the eighties, you know? And yeah, yeah, it really is, but it's still, sadly it's still there. And, um, but there's so much more, we could have done if we had the technology that, you know, um, trying to break out of that, that bubble and shell and like actually look up, Hey, is this abuse? You know? Um, she has TikTok giving her news every day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a completely different world, but yeah, back, you know, and I'm sure it's, there's kids growing up with it now, but, um, any question of faith or anything in the Bible was was met with a a stern rebuke, um, if not worse. I wouldn't have been able to question anything like that when I was a kid. No, you know? no. and um, of obviously my schools because they were Christian would have never done it. But but we were also taught to respect our elders no matter what regardless of what kind of poison or trash they were feeding us we just Mm -hmm. had to accept it because who were we we weren't given a voice we weren't given 
you know, we weren't respected. We're kids didn't matter in the sense that we didn't, our opinions didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Like, our feelings didn't matter. Know, we don't know any better. We're not adults. We don't know any better. Yeah. You're, if, if you're a big thing we teach with our kids is if you're uncomfortable with something, you need to say it and you need to use your voice and you need to tell us for one reason, because we're not mind readers and we don't want you to feel that way. And, right. you know, and, uh, that's something that was never, never, never allowed when, when I was a kid, you know, I honestly it, feel like I learned more from my child than I do any adult that uh-huh. I'm by. <laughs> I, she yeah, she yeah. teaches me way more. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm more, I'm learning more about parenting from like the way I was raised. Yes. Of what not to do. So this all came through the last podcast uh, parent board on Facebook and I'm inspired by those people every day. Um, That's my church now. Yes. absolutely. (laughs) And um, it's the only parenting group I've ever been in where I don't feel judged and I don't feel judgment coming down from anyone. Um, Even for the dumbest question. And even if you're out of line with what you ask, somebody will correct you and like, it'll be done in a mature way. So. Yeah. yeah. I've never, I've never seen an online community like that. That's one so accepting and so Mm -hmm. supportive. I feel like I can, I can be completely vulnerable there in a way that I can't even be in my own personal life sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you're right. I've learned a lot through there. I feel like we can learn to be better allies. We can be better, um, supporters of BLM and just better parents all mm-hmm. together as a community. Um, yeah. I was going to say something similar to you too. I, I guess we should give ourselves some credit. Uh, I try not to, because I look at my daughter and I'm like, Oh, she's so amazing. How is she so amazing? But it is the trauma we went through. It is the yeah. way we were raised. It's, it's the different experiences that we had that allow us to, teach our children or raise our children in a different way. And I feel like we love them so damn much that we don't want them to go through the pain that we went through. So we try, we try to just show them love and acceptance and um, be their biggest cheerleaders instead of condemning them or scolding them or punishing them for just being children or asking questions, (laughs) you know, um, I don't want her to ever feel the way that I felt when I was her age. I just don't. I don't ever want my kids to feel like they have to worry about their salvation on a, on a like action by action basis, Yeah, you know, (laughs) and like living with that anxiety of, you know, it's bad enough what they got to live with today. Um, yeah. that, that yeah. is, that is an unneeded burden that I don't think anybody needs. And, uh, I'm proud of every parent that doesn't do that to their kids. Um, I just think about the guilt that I would associate with, <laughs> with any trauma I might cause my child. I already have that. I already like, am mm-hmm. I, am I messing her up? Is she going to have to because of me? <laughs> <laughs> some of, some of those days are the worst days where I know I fucked up and just trying to get through the day of, of not trying to just 
absolutely destroy myself. Um, and, and I'm my worst critic. And at the oh, end yeah. of the day, my kids love me and I don't know why. <laughs> and it's, it's just like, uh, I've, and it's something that I'm working through with therapy is just like, you need to take, you need to learn to take a compliment as well as you give them. And you need to be nicer to yourself. So. Same. I, gosh, I over compliment everyone. And yeah. I think sometimes it overwhelms people. They're like, okay, I get it. You love me. <laughs> but I can't, I can't love on myself that same way. You know, I'm, and I'm not a professional, I'm not a therapist and yeah. I could be completely wrong, but I do think that part of the difference is I love my parents. Yeah. I let go of resentments a long time ago. I just lost my dad a few months ago, um, dealing with the trauma of that and yeah. not not being able to have closure and say certain things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were kept in the dark. I don't remember. I remember, you know, discovering a few secrets here and there, but I felt super naive and ignorant to the actual adult things going on and the actual yeah. world. And again, we didn't have the internet, but I feel like our parents kind of intentionally kept us in a bit of a bubble. Whereas I don't hide my vulnerabilities from my daughter. She's seen my breakdowns. She sees me be human. And in the end, our kids have got to respect that, that we're Mm -hmm. just honest with them, regardless of our failures or, you know, um, they, I, I think that that's got to be a, one of the biggest differences is that we, I, I speak to her like an adult. I'm real oh, yeah. with her. And, yeah. and, you know, even though I feel like, oh, I should be parenting her and not letting her see all these emotions and see me break down. I'm the one who's supposed to be strong for her. I think she values that and respects that because it allows her the space to do the same with me, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I want my kids to... I don't want to be the utmost authority on everything. And I'm going to tell my kids when I don't know something, but if they're going to ask me a question, I'm going to give my opinion to them and I'm not going to uh, ignore the question. And I'm not going to, I mean, I'm going to talk to them like at their age level, but right. I'm not, I'm not going to go, going to beat around the bush when it comes to it. And you know, there were constant questions over the past five, six years, especially politically of, you know, and like just having have that conversation of, you know, very bluntly telling my children what I believe and or what's going on. You know, I don't know if that has to do with kids that were traumatized a lot as a kid or or parents, sorry, parents that were tra- traumatized a lot as a kid or if it has something to do with um parents that kept their kids in in the dark but i feel like a lot of this generation of parents are very very open to their children because there's no way in this in this climate that you can you can be quiet like i don't You're understand right. it and <laughs> how do you how do you respond when they're seeing stuff online every day how do you how do you yeah. not talk about (laughs) almost always at bedtime too when the most uh deep and um uh what's the word i'm looking for i don't know yeah when the when the the most prolific questions come (laughs) like bedtime when you have the most energy to deal with them too right 
Yeah. I'm like, this is a great question, but you should be sleeping. But why are there so many homeless people? And why, why are those people saying you're going to hell if you do this? Like, yeah, there's, there's a question that I want to end each interview on. And, uh, it has to do since we're still technically in the pandemic, how has your view of Christians in general and the church changed over the last, I, I definitely want to say over the last year uh, plus, but also since 2016. Yeah, <laughs> we all know what that was. Yeah, um, and I'm not, I, yeah, I don't want to mince words or, or no. but it's um, because uh, it's not all orange man bad. Um, no. there, there's, there's, uh, movements and organizations and, 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 uh, institutions that did not do what they should have done. Um, no, and he's just one aspect of it. Yes, and it, 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 and, and a small, and honestly, a small aspect of it, because it's been something that's been going on for years, but mm-hmm. we're seeing it in a greater way than we ever have before. Um, yeah, um, I already kind of felt this way pre-2016, but I've nauseous, disgusted, <laughs> embarrassed. Um, glad I'm not a part of it anymore, so I can't be as embarrassed mm-hmm. for being a part of an organization. Um and and sad for my for the people I do know that are that are great human beings and still part of the church because yeah. It honestly, I, I don't know how I'm so surprised or feel like things are surreal when it's happening all the time and you see it all the time. I still have that feeling of like, wow, how can these people call themselves Christians when they're using violence or um, pushing people to the point of maybe not wanting to live anymore? I yeah. mean, yeah. I just dumbfounded and disgusted, quite honest, with a majority of those groups. I really do try to involve myself as much as possible and um, in different activism and um, whether it, like I said, with the LBGTQ community or BLM or anything of that nature. um, I don't know what it's like to live in their shoes, but I see the pain. I see the pain Mm -hmm. of my friends and what they deal with in the world around. And I see how these people who, can call themselves Christians are such a huge cause of that pain when they're supposedly called to help heal and, and love on people who are hurting. And, um, I really don't think there's a whole lot of words I can use for it other than disgusted and shame. Yeah. And Donald Trump is not the one that's writing all the laws that are going through all these court, ha- oh. all these state houses since the end of the election that are um, disenfranchising voters and uh, the anti-trans bills and uh, anti-LGBTQ bills that are just anti-abortion bills that are just flying through these state houses um, across the entire country. Um, and it's a lot of it is backed by the church. And, uh, I don't know how you live in, in that system and, and still remain in that system. And it's not a judgment for people 
it's it's just it's my own thinking of like I'm not right. judging anyone. I'm just like I don't know how you do that. Like I don't know how you live in that with with the the side that you're on is 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 pushing this and how much blood do they have on their hands already of of um of people that have taken their own lives um uh because they couldn't because of love <laughs> i mean that's like the dumbest thing like it's, right. it's the like i it's the dumb like why can't people just love who they want to love no i know i sound be? like a dark and hippie most of the time but i feel the same way like especially no this is the thing especially going through a pandemic which mm-hmm. is still very surreal something none of us expected well a majority of us expected not to have gone through or like yeah. it just I mean, when the timeline came back up on Facebook memories, like watch reading every day, like at the beginning of it, how clueless we were as to what was really happening and how our lives were going to change. And like, we all went through this thing together. Yeah. And yet yeah. there are people who are in denial and people who are still coming out of the other end with so much hate and so much negativity. I'm like, you would think that trauma would unite people because <laughs> we've all been traumatized you know it does up to a point because i think it depends on whether you want to admit to reality or not um and the people that are admitting to reality are coming together like you and me and people on the last podcast board and and on and on and on but it's also going through people are going to QAnon to get their uh community fix you know so I try not to judge those people because to me, it, it we all deal with mental illness and some yeah. of us handle it in a way that people mm-hmm. who are vulnerable in that way can go in that direction so yeah. easily. And yeah. we had somebody leading a platform that led them there and, and, and cited it. And it makes me more sad than angry, honestly, sometimes. And, um, yeah, I I I'm really big into the psychology of why people do certain things and and rather than um I don't know. Yeah, judge I guess judgment is the right word I, to use, but rather than like that woman that got shot at the Capitol, I don't feel this anger towards her that some people on the left do um because I'm thinking of what happened in her life that brought her to go through that window yeah something went off the rails and somebody somebody uh wasn't paying attention at you know when they should have been and and it just it went off the rails at some point and and we're probably never going to know why but that's what that's what comes to me and like when I say I don't know how you can live in that system that's that's what I'm thinking (laughs) and I'm like that's a great that's somebody who is learning to be more empathetic and living with an empathetic heart. And I feel like so many of us on the left need to be more like that too, because we can be just as much at fault as somebody on the right for being overly judgmental Mm -hmm. and immediately wanting to react and fight, which we should, we should fight and we should react, but we should also continue to have an open mind and an open heart. Yeah. The way that we want, the person opposing us to have. And, you know, I try not to get into argument 
fights with strangers, but I did make a comment on a news post yesterday when I saw that um, first NFL player came out yeah. as gay. And, you know, you read all these homophobic comments. Mm-hmm. And I made a comment about, like, how how in 2021, you know, with everything happening and everything going on and the Internet and everything being in your face, how in 2021 are people still outing themselves as being homophobic or closeted yeah. and after everything we went through, a lot of us are just trying to love on one another and heal. And yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of the responses are like, oh, that's disgusting. Or I don't care if they're gay. Just why do they need to announce it? They're just looking for attention where it's they they aren't looking at it from the aspect of this person has a platform. This person took a lot of it took a lot of bravery to to out themselves in such a public way and not necessarily for attention, but how somebody who is looked at as some machismo football player is coming forward as gay, what kind of powerful impact that's going to have on so much youth. And they, they, I don't know if it's what they believe at their core or they're just looking for a fight or they're just, you know, all of that combined, but uh, how can you not just try for one moment to stand outside of yourself and look at it? Maybe a child's life was saved by that. Maybe they were thinking that they shouldn't exist on this plane and they saw that man stand up and speak out and it mm-hmm. gave them hope and it gave them strength. And just an example. I mean, I, th- yeah. yeah, I need to be more like that myself and to not judge those people who are coming out with, you know, all the insults and the disgusted comments and my, um, <laughs> my favorite comment is the who cares. And it's just yeah. like, I'm like, uh, obviously all the people passing all these legislation bills care enough yeah. to pass them to try to discriminate and, and, and do all this stuff. So, the, so that's who cares. And, and that's the problem. And, and going it, back to that, I was going to say, um, I don't, <laughs> I trail off a lot because I feel like this is an engaging conversation that I can continue (laughs) having for many hours. And there's so many thoughts popping up into my head, but not that all of this hasn't been there for so long. And obviously the internet and everything being up in seconds, like it it, it makes things more, um, people are acting quicker. And um, I, but I feel like, it's fear. It, it's a hundred percent fear. That's why these people are trying to pass these ridiculous laws. That's why um, be, they see the change. They see that yeah. it's actually the majority that want progress. It's mm-hmm. the majority that want unity. And um, there's a revolution and a fight in a way that there hasn't been before. And they're just scared because they're losing. Yes. And yes. we yeah. will, I do, I do, especially in our children, they give me so much hope in our future. Yes, I do. really feel like we're, we are moving in a, in a positive direction. And I know every time we take a step forward, we take a few steps back, but I do feel like we're pushing back enough that, I mean, you look at 
Look at even cartoons now. My daughter oh my watches God. cartoons yeah. that have so many gay characters and are inclusive and they bring up topics that are even a year, maybe two years ago, I didn't see. Yeah, yeah. Steve, Steven Universe? Oh, yeah. Is, is one of my favorite. I absolutely love Steven Universe and Clarence. Great. And, oh yeah, yeah. My dad yeah. loves but Craig of the Creek. Craig of the Creek um, is amazing. I was just watching that this morning. <laughs> oh, I, I saw I saw um the guy who does the music for that. He's amazing. Um Jeff Rosenstock. Um okay. yeah. Um there's a new one, Camp Summer Camp Island. Oh my gosh, that one is one of the most powerful ones. You've got to watch that. I haven't watched yet. My my youngest son, who's who's nine, uh, wants to watch that, and I, I said that we would. So yeah, it's yeah. Really, it's probably the most progressive cartoon I've seen yet. Yeah. Think about when you were a kid. How they say that children have the faith of a mustard seed, right? Um, yeah. My mom, who, again, wasn't Christian, isn't Christian, um, when my dad was at the thick of it and playing music, playing records backwards and finding hidden meanings and, yeah. like, going to all this stuff, I had this faith. My mom said that I was sitting, I was three, maybe, three or four, sitting at the kitchen table, and I said, if, if I stick this fork in my eye, Jesus will heal me and I'll be fine. And it scared the crap out of my mom. Yeah. And she did not want me going back to church with my dad. <laughs> but... The fire and the faith and the energy that we had as kids for Jesus, that's what they have for activism. That's what they have for civil yeah. rights. That's yep. what they have for in the environment. And um, it's the same kind of energy just used in a better way, in a more realistic and scientific way, in a yeah. loving and empathetic way. Yeah. I, You're right. I mean, because we did have that fire, but it was for something else. And yeah. if would have been amazing if we had started as young as they have. Yeah. And they're, uh, and I know if, if, if a hardcore Christian conservative ever hears this and they're going to push back on what I'm about to say, but, uh, their causes are just and right. as of the ones that we had when we were younger, were not. And, uh, it brings so much pride to me when I see my kids without me pushing them to do it are so kind and inclusive and they want everybody to, you know, they, I think they understand that not everybody's going to get along, but if we can treat each other with some sort of respect, then, then we can, we can actually live in a society together um, but yeah, it's, it's weird seeing that progressivism in your children when, when you haven't pushed it down their throat, you know? And well, it, I think about when we were kids, how we used gay as an insult and we oh didn't my even God, all the time. Yeah. What, what gay was really. And my, my kid and her, her friends, her peers, they don't question any of that. They accept their friends. Oh, I don't want to, I'm going to, I'm really a boy. I'm yeah. Call me, yeah. call, call me by these pronouns now. Okay. It's, they don't bat an eye. They, if anything like that had happened when we were kids, we would have been like, Whoa, what, what? 
Yeah. You know, like that, that's crazy. And, and, and this generation, it's like, this is, this is normal for them. This, and it should, as it should be, as it it should have been then, Yeah, you know, they just, they just open and acceptive and they don't, they don't question that they question why anyone would be against it. Yeah. And yeah, it's Mm -hmm. natural. It it, it isn't even a a discussion for them that they need to have because it's just natural for them. Yeah. And we were fed this, this line that Christianity will install good morals on you and the rest of the world. Um, And that's not true. <laughs> I mean, your your moral compass is not dependent, should not be dependent on what you're, you know, especially Christianity, um, unless you're following, you know, the actual example of Jesus. But like in the broadest terms, you know, uh, the moral compass that my kids have, have nothing to do with religion. And I didn't install it in them through religion. And they did a lot of this on their own. Yeah, and I feel the same. I'm Where did that come from? I mean, it I didn't come it didn't come through um video games, you know, it didn't come through uh all this music, all this stuff that we were told were going to was going to ruin us. Um I think it just came from kids are sick of people treating each other like shit. And yeah. you know, and we failed. Uh, I'm not saying you and me, but like, no, I know the world as a whole has failed them and um, they're brave enough now where previous generations weren't brave enough to actually do anything about it. And I've gotten into arguments about lowering the voting age because I see my kid and she's smart. She's wise. Yeah. 16. And she gets upset that she can't vote. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's met Bernie Sanders. She's gone to every rally with, with me and she gets mad that I don't take her to more protests because quite honestly, they there's certain ones that have gotten dangerous because of the yeah. police. And I don't want to put her in a situation that's, you know, scary, but I told her she can do whatever she wants when she's older because, <laughs> not, <laughs> you know, but yeah. I have it's my job to protect her. But, um, you know, I, I know you probably have to get going soon, but I was just thinking about there that we have first Fridays here. Um, every first Friday of the month, the art community downtown opens up music and artists. And that's awesome. There was this, there was this guy, um, who was always on the corner with his megaphone, his platform kept getting larger. And eventually he had like, uh, almost like a cage around him to protect him. <laughs> Cause he's standing on the corner screaming, you know, um, Bible verses and saying you're going to hell and big signs that big giant signs that say you're going to hell. If you're gay, you're going to hell. If you smoke marijuana, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I take my daughter down there. This is a few years ago. So she's much younger and, um, he's screaming and we're standing there for a minute amongst the crowd and um, she just starts breaking down crying because she has um, a lesbian aunt who's married to a wonderful, beautiful woman. And she's never been taught to hate. And yeah. she's like, why is he saying my aunt's going to hell? And I was so disgusted and so heartbroken that my daughter was traumatized by this man who's supposedly trying to bring people to God. 
by condemning them. Yeah. And I had to explain to her that he was wrong and that she's not going to hell. And, you know, um, I, I don't tell her what to believe or what not to believe. I, if she has faith in God and want and believes that I want her to discover that on her own, instead of telling her what I think is right and wrong. And, um, I just feel like I, I I don't know (laughs) if if he was standing out there and he was preaching the gospel, but in a loving manner without the condemnation, I would be okay with that. It would, it would provoke, it would provoke dialogue. And there are, again, there are wonderful people who are part of the church, who are Christians, who are not that man standing on the corner condemning, but Christians who live like that, 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 that think that they're doing something good, that think that this is how you're going to draw people in and and convert people. (laughs) You're scaring people away. And not only that, Maybe you're sending someone home yeah. that not feeling less than, feeling condemned, feeling worthless. And that's the opposite of Christianity. Yeah. And just two points about that. Uh, one, it's a win-win for him because he either he'll get the grat- gratification of, of speaking up and whatever that gets him. But then he also gets a gratification that if somebody voices against him or the police step in, then it's persecution and he's doing the right thing. Um, So any way you approach him in this type of situation is, is going to be a win for him. Um, And it's so hard to ignore that. And I completely understand that. But I also understand where your daughter's coming from just because I know at my young age, I was told, that Jews, that Catholics, that Mormons, that all these people were going to hell. And then, you know, these people, you know, people that live by this type of life or, you know, whatever faith. And you're thinking in the back of my head that like, oh my God, they're going to hell. Oh my God, they're going to hell. Um, I need to save them and I need to do something to help them or, you know, why, would God ever send them to hell, you know? And, uh, it's, it's a very real, um, anxiety that, that, oh, that, that, came up. About that. what's that? I, yeah. Yeah. So I remember thinking that about my mom, like yeah. here, my dad is super Christian and I'm involved in the church and I believe what my dad believes, but my mom, I remember breaking down and freaking out and crying my mom, I'm not going to see her in heaven because she doesn't believe. And that was horrific. Yeah. I went through the same thing with my, with my father and, and sitting in my room, just crying and like, like I, he's not going to heaven. If I died tonight, he wouldn't be there. And like, I didn't even have a relationship with my father, but I'm just like, like, I'm just like, Oh my God. Oh my, you like, there's there, you know, there's got to be a way, you know, and, and you uh, feel responsibility that yes. a child should not have, like no child mm-hmm. should have that weight on their shoulders, worried about the mortality of their parent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's bad enough that kids think about death to begin with, but yes. when you throw uh salvation and eternal damnation on top of it, of like all the terrible things that come along that we're told that come along with it, 
it yeah. makes me sick to my stomach of like what that does to somebody at such a young age. Um, and I don't think anybody, I don't think we really know um, just because it's such a normalized thing within our society of, you know, of going to church and being part of a religion um, that I, I hopefully now people are finally realizing it and realizing the damage and to what extent the damage does to, to children. So, yeah. but I'm very proud of your daughter, even though I don't know her. Um, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I think we can wrap it up there. Um, I got to go cook dinner. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be a mac and cheese night tonight. <laughs> so Jenny, it was great talking to you. I really appreciate you spending time with me. Uh, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I hope we didn't open up any, any wounds and uh, that, uh, you enjoyed it enough to come on again at, at another date. You were a great person to talk to. Um, and, uh, I'm, I hope everybody appreciates it. Oh, I hope I don't sound like a mess. And I oh, want to no. say it's, it, if anything, it opened up my mind and it honestly, this was like therapy and <laughs> I, 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 I felt very comfortable and I'm just really oh, grateful you. for you and I'm grateful for your, your doing this and, I think I needed it. Thank you. You're the second person I interviewed and the second person that told me that. So <laughs> I'd love to come on and talk to you again. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'd like to thank Jenny for joining us uh, for today's discussion. I really appreciate her openness and candidness and the ability to recall memories and, and able to talk about the things that are going on with her one thing we missed at the end was her shout out and she would like you to look up one in ten an organization that envisions a world where all lgbtq youth and young adults are embraced for who they are actively engaged in their communities and empowered to lead so if you feel so inclined spread their message like them on their social media share their posts Send the money if you're able to. And from Chrissy and Donovan and I, we are very happy that you stopped by and gave us a listen. If you want to find us on social media, look at Instagram for XCOMPOD. We have a Facebook group, XCommunication Station. Um, we'll have other social media coming to us in the future. Be on the lookout for that. Um, if you want to follow me, follow me at ChazXCure or 17 underscore seconds come listen to my other podcast the holy hour where my friend gavin and donald and i talk all things cure if you want to listen to donovan's other podcast called laughing with you not at you that he co-hosts with his wife where they talk about parenting and mental health struggles i'd like to thank the band iron chic spelt c-h-i-c for letting us use their song those heads are our head and before we go, just remember to keep your head up, always use your voice, and say with me, I like my look. I like my personality. I've got a choice to make almost every second that I'm